0: Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Talking Football Podcast. I'm Derek Clark and every week I bring you an exclusive in-depth interview with some of the most colourful and interesting characters in the game. Don't worry if you've missed any so far. Remember you can catch them all on iTunes, Spotify, Soundcloud, Podbean and by visiting DerekClarkSport.co.uk. This week is a bit of a change of tact as I delve into the world of computer games and chat to one of the creators of the legendary Sensible Soccer. The game was a huge success when it was launched back in 1992 and has sold over 2 million copies worldwide. I chatted with John Hare, who was one of the masterminds behind it, and he also tells me about his new baby, Sociable Soccer, which is available on Apple Arcade. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of the Talking Football Podcast. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Talking Football Podcast. I'm delighted to say this week we're joined on the line by a man who brought so much joy to gamers across the globe. It's a man that brought us sensible soccer, John Hare. John, thanks very much for joining us. Hello. It's a delight to have you on, John. You grew up in Ilford in Essex, is that right, in 1966?
1: I was born there, but I grew up in uh, around uh, Romford and Chelmsford and these kind of places, cultures all over Essex, yeah.
0: Was computer programming, and I know you'd, uh, you've been a musician as well, was that always sort of a dream as a young boy?
1: No, not very much not. I mean, I'm not a programmer. I'm a, I am ai was the game artist. My friend Chris, when we set up Sensible Software, he was a programmer when there was just two of us, and we designed it together. I did all the arts, and we kind of both did music, and that's kind of how we rolled, and then we got some... We didn't end up doing a lot of music. We had some great musicians we worked with, so... Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I loved games as a child. Uh, I was playing board games, playing Cibutio. I played football or cricket. I think every day of my life <laughs> at school and after school. Uh, not that I ever got very good, but you know, like a normal British kid, I guess.
0: And I mean, the sensible soccer is a phenomenon as as a game. What initially gave you the sort of idea to go ahead and create the game?
1: Um, when I was a, uh, about well from the age of about seven um i used to play sabutio mostly you know most days <clears throat> and i would nag my father when he come home from work to play with me i set it all up yeah come on give us a, a game dad and of course <clears throat> sometimes he'd play he never gave me a chance he, i didn't beat him till i was 11 um so <laughs> <laughs> he taught me the hard way uh and actually he played in my, he used to play my grandfather in a pub uh when he was a boy himself but um what it made me think as I grew up and uh, became a games, you know, game maker, game designer uh, person is it would be great to make a game which allows someone to play uh, pretty much any team in the world as Subutio offered you, but against an opponent that's always there as opposed to having to wait for your dad or your brother or whoever to come back home. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's pretty much how it started.
0: And, I mean, what what was the sort of duration from beginning to get the idea to the game being on release?
1: Well, the, the very initial Sensible Soccer was very fast. It was nine months, which is very, very fast for a game, a computer game. Uh, but then, of course, we spent another two years developing Sensible World of Soccer. And uh, then we put out versions of the game every year up until about 97. So it first came out in 92. The last version, I think, was about 97. So about five years developing it.
0: And in terms of the, the design and the, the sort of look of the game as well, what sort of gave the idea to, to to opt
1: for that? Well, I don't know if you saw our game Megalomania, which we made preceding Sensible yeah. Soccer. Uh, but basically, myself and the lead programmer, Chris Chapman, we were working like late nights on Megalomania. It was a very difficult development cycle. That was a year and a half. And at the end of it, you know, as the artist, I've done all my artwork and I'm just kind of hanging around. And uh whilst I was waiting, I started to, you know, we we started talking in the company about making a new football game. We actually made a micropro cycle in the eighties before that, which was pretty successful on the Commodore 64. And uh so I started dressing our little Megalomania guys up in football kits, obviously <laughs> a Norwich kit first. Uh, <laughs> And uh, the the initial sensible soccer guys were just Norwich players running around in megalomania world, you know, with cavemen and all the rest, and spaceships and stuff. So um, that that angle, <clears throat> the small men that were in megalomania, uh, when we added a pitch for them to run around on in the same angle, it, it just works. We we were very lucky that 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 viewpoint is a megalomania viewpoint, and it worked for a football game. And um, we pretty soon realised that the extra The zoomed out view, because they're quite small, gave gave you a chance to like create strategy and pass and actually strategize your moves going forward at pace, which came from the camera angle. So it happened kind of like it was a fortunate coincidence, if you like. But, you know, in general game development, you keep what's good and you throw away what's bad. That's the secret of making good games, actually. So we we kept that bit because it was good.
0: Yes, certainly. And did you realise when you were creating the game, uh, and then when it was released, it, it was going to be a hit, or how long was it before you you realised, wow, we've we've made something here?
1: Well, it's, it's a good question. Sensible Soccer is the only game I've worked on in my career that after two months we knew it'd be a hit. It just worked. I mean, mm. the the plan we had for the gameplay and the way it would work when we when we put it in place, um, we were all playing it in the office all the time against each other you know a very rudimentary version uh <laughs> but it, it was it was very fast uh, we that we knew that it was going to be a big game because you know the, the big game at the time was kickoff or kickoff two and uh it was the game we were playing all the time in the office as a football game and suddenly we started playing sensible soccer instead so we kind of knew that that was likely to be uh, something which would be successful
0: one of the, the, the strong points of it, I guess, was the fact that the, you had the, the correct names and what have you of the players in the teams there. But how did you manage to, to go about uh, doing that? And is that a big strong point back in the day?
1: Well, I mean, we did a huge amount of research. So the one thing we had going for is we had a lot of real football fans on the team. And if you're making a, a sports game, it's easier with guys who understand the sport. So we understood the value in having all the teams from around the world, the, the correct player names, and uh, we, we were in touch with a guy called Mike Hammond, who who nowadays writes the UEFA Football Yearbook and used to write a different one beforehand. Like, it's one of those huge Rothman-style manuals every year. So we just uh, got Mike to basically ch- change his current data for his book into a format we could use in our game. And that gave us a huge amount of real data. And in those days, there weren't any legal issues with using real names. This was before we got on the radar of the, the legal companies. So... We could get away with it. I mean, you can't do that now. No, it's not quite. It's much more expensive to do that these days. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um, in terms of the music, I, I loved the music back in the day as well. How who, who came up with that, and um, what gave the sort of inspiration to 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 have the music like that on on the game?
1: Well, I mean, we, me, myself and Chris Yates started off as musicians in a band before we set up a game company. So music's always been kind of in our blood. And uh, we were working at the time with a with a, a great games musician, unfortunately not, not alive anymore, uh, Richard Joseph. And Richard worked on all of our 16 bit games, so Cannon Fodder and Sensible Soccer and Megalomania and Sensible Golf. That's all Richard and Wizkid. Um But I was, uh, I fancied putting a bit of songwriting in there myself. So I, um, with the very initial game actually, was written by Captain Sensible, the music, the very first one. And we had legal problems from it. So we so we got rid of it, <laughs> and uh, we did a quick emergency tune. And then the decision was to write a tune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The decision was to write a tune ourselves. So I wrote a silly song, uh, some basics for the song. Goal scoring superstar hero, which was on sensible world of sock, was the first time he appeared, I believe. And then uh, it went round to Richard's house, and Richard waved his magic wand and turned it into a proper tune, uh, arranged tune. Uh, and that, that's that, really. I mean, me and him had a great songwriting partnership ourselves, so that was fun. A bit of fun to do that on games, you know? Put your music in there. Yes,
0: yeah, certainly is. And I guess it was a lot of fun back then in, in the gaming industry and creating games back then. I guess it's changed a lot nowadays.
1: Well, it, it's just the atmosphere was d- different and the, the outlook was different. So, I mean, another thing we did with... We were starting with Cannonfeather and then with Sensible World of Soccer and Sensible Golf and even with one of the later Sensible Soccers, we, we We made a little stupid video to go with the song, so we ended up taking the team out for a day out, dressing up in costumes and running around. and uh, mm-hmm. the sensible soccer one was us dressed up in football kits and it was just <laughs> a lot of fun. and 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 we had a, a, a girl called Jackie Reed. She sung the sensible soccer song for us, and Jackie um yeah. appeared as the I think it was the queen in the video, and then she popped up in the shower with us at the end of the video. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just to make it small, <laughs> and I mean, uh, I love the old, the the two D format of the game. In the in the nineties, obviously, mid nineties, you had your likes at FIFA and that going more three D and other other games. But mm-hmm. but you always want just to just to keep that niche and keep the the two D format going.
1: I think in Sensible Software, I mean, we were extremely good at two D games and extremely bad at three D games. So, uh it was really our forte. I think that we. In retrospect, you know, in latter years, we missed the boat on 3D. We were two years behind the curve of most of the companies. But we were so successful as a 16-bit company, possibly the most successful developer in Europe at the end of the Amiga phase and the ST phase. So, yeah, there was definitely our our strength, and we enjoyed that.
0: How many copies did the original game sell? Did you you get a sort of figure?
1: Yeah, this, this, this is great data, actually. So number one, the game sold nothing in America or Asia, just zero. Wow. But all over Europe, the game was very popular. But the sales units are the most interesting. So we reckon in all the different versions, we probably sold about 2 million copies. Wow. But the piracy rate is about 20 to 1 or 30 to 1. Didn't so me. actually probably 50, 50 to 60 million, well, 40 to 60 million people actually probably played the game. Um, which is quite a lot, yeah, not half. that's unbelievable <laughs> so there's, there's, I mean there's countries there's some funny stories about the way games were distributed in different countries. so I know for example, in the whole of Eastern Europe, they couldn't buy these games legally easily, so they could only have a bootleg market. and um even in Holland, they had a lot of a lot of piracy. And in the u k as well I went to a I went to a class uh in Ludlow in Shropshire uh about 93 or something and asked the kids there who's played sensible soccer and half the kids put their hands up in the class and I thought well half of you haven't bought the bloody game (laughs) so (laughs) I knew something was going on and actually I I I spoke to some guys in Poland I I worked in Poland for about four or five years a, a while ago and I got very friendly with a lot of people there and some of the guys told me that the way they got their games this is I think it was Commodore 64 not Amiga but on the equivalent of um Polish BBC Radio 2 at midnight, they broadcast the tape signals like Brr, beep, <laughs> on national radio. So everyone could pirate it. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy <laughs> you know, in, in, in a, the post Soviet world, the knowledge of IP and ownership wasn't there. So, I mean, it's a double edged sword. I mean, we could have made a lot more money without the piracy, but we'd have had a lot less people playing it. Cause most of these guys wouldn't have played it. And now, they still have a Sensible Soccer World Cup every year. I've been to one about five or six years ago, and this guy is wearing Croatia shirts and playing for the Croatia (laughs) team. It's great, you know. (laughs) So I don't mind so much.
0: Have you played any sort of pirate versions at all, and do they differ somewhat in in, in the original?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I have. I mean, I don't know if you know what what I'm up to recently, but I'm making a new football game, so uh, I'm not so worried about that. I mean, you can see it two ways. We sold Sensible Soccer to... Codemasters in 1999, which is now over 20 years ago. So I haven't had any interest in the title for a long time. Um, I worked on the 2006 conversion we did, which was all right. It was better than the the, the 1998 3D version. Um, there was one good conversion to the XBLA, which was pretty much a straight Amiga port, which I didn't have too much to do with. But um, no, I don't mind what people do. I mean, really, as long as they don't abuse the music, which I still own. Uh, And as long as everyone comes to try out Sociable Soccer on Apple Arcade, I'll be happy.
0: Yeah, that brings us on to Sociable Soccer then, then John, because I I know that that's what you've got out there on uh, Apple Arcade at the moment. What is that and how does that sort of differ from from Sensible Soccer? Is it very much similar to the the original game that you produced in, in 92?
1: Well, of course, I mean, when we made Sensible Soccer, we tried to make the best possible football game on those platforms at that time. And that's what we're doing now with Sociable Soccer. So it does take... A number of elements from sensible soccer as inspiration, but it's a totally different game. So, I mean, what's similar? And actually, to anyone who's got the game, we're just about to release an update which is brilliant now. I mean, it, the update really takes the game where it, where it should be. This is an ongoing process, it's a long, long uh, deal we're doing here with Apple, and it will coming out for a number of years. Uh, and uh, we've um, now really got the the player selection and other bits was, which were was slightly problematic in the first version sorted the game's playing online so you can play someone online in real time and it's where we we wanted to be with the game from the start so we are now like every few months we'll be bringing out an update which will push the game further and further and further so we're at the start now so um i see it a bit like The current update we're doing is a bit like the first update we did of um, Sensible Soccer, which came out about four months after the original in 92. Uh, And then in a few months time, we'll do another update. Uh, We're planning on a Sensible Soccer 2020 title, which will kind of like get us into that cycle of doing one a year. And then uh, at the end of this year, we will be looking at a Sensible Soccer 2021 probably. And hopefully, if all the development goes to plan, they will also be coming out on PlayStation, on Xbox, on Switch, and PC. So, there's a lot of work to do, um, and we're we're uh, we're building the game modes and the pieces of the game one by one. So, when you make get a very very large game, it's quite hard to do all the components. So, for example, with the current game, uh, I think we could do. We, we're currently working on for the, the to come out within a few months. Uh, More explanation on how the different menus and different game modes work. So the moment it functions, it's okay. There's a a couple of tricky bits with the game controls, which we fixed now and and that'll be out any day. So this interview is going out soon and you've played Social soccer and Apple Arcade, go back and download the update in a few days time because it's a fantastic version of the game and you can play online against your friends. And and then we will be adding in a few months' time, what we call club versus club mode. So, when you come into the game, uh, it asks you which club you would like to be. We have 830 clubs uh, from all over the world in the game. Uh, Not all of those have licensed. In fact, none of them are licensed in the current version that we've got. And, um, which means we have to mess up names a bit like Pro Evolution Soccer uh, has done over the years. And uh, you choose your club, and what we're adding is that something called club versus club so as you're building your team up you are collecting winning player cards which you can upgrade and you can get your team slowly better and better and better and better until in the end at, you know after a while you'll end up with messies and ronaldo's or our messed up equivalents of those guys uh yep. at the top of the tree but this takes a while to get there but as you're doing that basically you choose a club so which which club do you support your Uh, team it's it's Rangers Rangers okay so you'd like choose our Glasgow Blues team I believe they're called (laughs) Uh, and uh, uh, you would uh, then be given a bunch of pretty awful footballer cards to start with (laughs) (laughs) like internationals from um, from um, uh, Grenadine and stuff like this Uh, and uh, the Grenadine and then um, eventually uh, over time you will as you're playing, your, your, your score gets better and better and better. And uh, obviously you can, you know, choose which format. I think we've got about 15 formations to choose from and you choose who plays where on the pitch. And uh, then you go in and you can play in three ways. So you can either play using a game controller. If you can, obviously on Apple Arcade, we're currently it's uh, any uh, like an iPad or an iPhone or a Mac or Apple TV, So I guess iPhone and iPad are the most common ones, but all of those will take uh, controllers of any description, especially like Wi-Fi controllers. I I use PlayStation ones at the moment on there and it plays really well with those. And then you can also hook your phone or iPad up to your TV via HDMI and effectively use it like a console. So this is the kind of stuff we're doing. and you can play touchscreen, you can play with controllers, or you can choose to manage the game and sit and watch. So the reason we've done that is because, obviously, sometimes you're on a on a train or on a bus or walking down the street, you just want to use your, your touchscreen, and the touchscreen controls are great. Um, or you might be really restricted and just want to watch the team because a guy keeps on banging your elbow and making you miss your shots. <laughs> or you could choose, in a slightly more relaxed environment, if you've got them, to use remote controllers. So you can play any way. Uh, in this way now w- what we're adding basically as you go through you go up at a league system and try and get to the top league um we're adding something not in this current update but the next one which will be in a, in a few months time coming out uh as rangers you'll be every day given a club match that you can play against a rival team we've pitted you against and we try mm-hmm. to put you against people that are either known rivals in your league or of equivalent kind of size and standard. So as a Rangers fan, for example, obviously we're going to chuck a Celtic match in pretty frequently Yeah. to get that, What that means is that uh, in that game mode, you're only matched against Celtic guys and they're only matched against you. And at the end of the day, we add up which team won the most matches and they win a point for their team. And uh, that's the same applies to everyone, you know, all the different teams around the world. And then the next day, I don't know, you might get uh, Aberdeen. And then the next day you might get Norwich or you might get Manchester United or you might get uh, Anderlecht or you might get Boca Juniors. There's so many teams in this game, you know? Yeah. uh, But each day you're trying to fight to get points for your team. But also we rank the Rangers players. So... The, the guy with the very best team, the best rated team, will be the captain. Then the next one will be the vice captain. The next one will be the third-in-commander. Then you'll be like a, a member or a super member or whatever. So you're kind of fighting to be the best in your clan, effectively, but also with the other guys in your clan, to have the best clan against the other guys. So we're hoping that this this kind of like playing for your team will will be quite... Uh, Am I allowed to say addictive anymore? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> <And> certainly. <laughs> the representing your team is going to drag you back every day, make your team better, go and win, get some glory with the other Rangers fans. Um, and of course that applies to, I mean, I'm an Norwich fan. I'll be playing for Norwich. A lot of guys will be playing for Liverpool or United or Arsenal and Madrid, Barcelona, you know, these teams. So, um, but it goes all the way down to fans of Exeter or some very remote and there's a team I think they're called Santa Paloma in Andorra. So we got, because <laughs> there's at least one team from every country <laughs> in the world in this, this wow. same old thing. And then we have 67, what we call real world competitions. So you could just play straight like the Asian nations cup or Scottish division two or French league three or world cup, whatever. So there's, this there's, there's real, real world competitions. If you like to unlock and the way we do that is quite nice. So if you manage to win, one of these trophies then one of the players from your squad so say if you go to the italian league and you play in serie a yeah and you play as fiorentina then uh, at the end of that if you win the if you win the italian cup um one of the fiorentina players will come and join your squad it's like a free way of winning players um so there's different ways of winning players and actually any uh, Italian guys you managed to collect along the way would actually join the Fiorentina squad from you, like on a kind of loan, mm. whilst you do it and then come back. So, And then we've got a bunch of friendlies. So you can, like I say, you can play online against friends. You can play with two controllers on one machine, which is the old-fashioned sensible soccer way, and it's, and it's an excellent way to play it. You can play just against the AI. Um, and soon we'll be adding, again, later on this year, we'll be adding... DIY leagues and cups and sensible soccer style. And um, we're, we're going to experiment with like co-op play. So you can have two guys on the team against two others, but that's a way down the line. This is a, you know, this is a game with a lot of stuff to be added. I mean, we've got every team we've researched up to 50 legend players that can come to your teams like bonus weapons. So like you can bring Ali McCoy's back for two or three games. <laughs> <laughs> in of and you kind, of, you kind of collect these legend guys uh, and they, they're like temporary weapons in your team, if you like. So this is what we're, we're working towards, but it's a very big game on a lot of platforms. Uh, and the online stuff has to be very carefully managed and balanced all the time. So it's very fast. So uh, hopefully we'll get all of these components in place within a year or so, but they'll be dropping in as we're going. So as so I say, this is very much a game in the middle of its development as, as sensible. Soccer and Sensible World of Soccer were. You know, we didn't really get the, the finished article and probably until about 96, 97. That's probably yeah. the best version. So it does take time to drop these things in. Um yeah, but it's it's exciting. You know, we've 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 got uh we're working with a great American publisher called Rogue, who have been really good for us to work with. And with them, we've managed to get a great contract with apple arcade we're delighted with that mm-hmm. um we are releasing the game in china within a month or so um which will be a lot of fun obviously not much fun for our british players <laughs> but um <laughs> china's a great opportunity and um that's um, on mobile formats there and uh and then as i say at the end of this year we'll be looking at all the consoles and pc as well and you know we, we're just starting the next phase of development on those now and then we kind of will decide probably during the course of this year, which publishing partner we go with. My, my preference these days is to not to try and self publish, but to go with a partner who can add value to, to what we're, you know, offering. And it's certainly worked in, uh, in the States with the guys who are taken to Apple Arcade and in China so far. So that's my business lookout for, for this year.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, it's exciting times, as you said, there, John. And I guess it's fair to say that the gaming development now is a lot more work and time and effort than what was put into back in the in the early nineties.
1: Well, yeah, I mean the technology demands it. That's the issue. It's it's, you know, it, it's been a funny journey this uh, social World soccer because we started it. What happened? It's almost over four years ago. I was in Finland at a at a game conference, and I was. Um, on the stage with a friend of mine doing some karaoke and a, some after party <laughs> and i wandered up the stage we were singing the beatles song i think it was twist and shout anyway we walked off the stage and uh these three guys came over to me these finnish guys who i didn't know and said you John, yes blah 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 and look at this game we've made and they'd, they'd made some kind of ice hockey thing and uh that was quite interesting to me and i'd been planning to make a new football game since about uh, 2008 2009 and I hadn't really found the right team to do it and I thought these guys could be interesting mm. and then a little while later they they, they sent me another thing they'd done they started to to look at football and I thought okay they, they are really are keen uh so let's give it a go and th- these guys are uh, a company called Combo Breaker who work in Helsinki and I was very lucky that they a very new company made up of four very experienced guys and uh, they're the guys I'm still working with now. So um, it's, it's, there's just so much to do. But, but when we started, uh, Kickstarter was very much in vogue. And we, we thought, well, let's try and get this going on Kickstarter. Now, I took some advice from some people about Kickstarter and, and then chose to totally ignore it, which was pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said to me, really, you need to do a two, two or three-month you know, lead-up campaign to get people excited. Uh, but we, this was in October and we, we had Christmas in the middle and we didn't really want to wait until January, February to start. We kind of wanted to go as we were whilst we were still enthusiastic about it. So we decided to ignore their advice and, and launch it. And initially we're looking at, I think it's PlayStation, Xbox and PC. And we tried to um, raise some money and the, the, the amount of money we wanted was too high for Kickstarters really. Um... It's strange because the amount of money we wanted was, was much, much, much less than its cost. <laughs> but um, in the world of Kickstarter, it was it was too much. And so that kind of stopped. And then we just persisted and carried on. Um, and we looked more towards PC and mobile, kind of almost in tandem. And then we got this offer from the Chinese company uh, called Crazy Sports about a year and a half ago. On mobile, which was really important because we were kind of on our last legs. We were like running out of time and money and everything, and uh, that just gave us a little bit of money and a little bit of focus. Uh, And before that, we'd put out the Steam version um, on an early access to just to give people a taste, let them know we're still alive. But you know, the game wasn't wasn't so presentable and finished. It was very rough and ready. Yep. At that time. Uh, but we thought it was best to put it out and i wanted it to come out so that the team still could believe in what we were doing you know and uh as i say that that came out and the sales dripped in really not so much and then um because we didn't push it at all it was an early access it was just a it was just to let people know we were alive really and then um then the mobile deal came in and and that's still not coming out in, in china yet but then this March last year we started to talk to to Rogue um, who I'd spoken to two years beforehand and they, they had moved into publishing they weren't in publishing prior to that and uh, they told told me that they had an idea they thought they could place our game and then a month or so later they mentioned Apple Arcade and we started to look in more detail at that and it's turned out to be a really excellent thing to have done I've got to say it's the happiest I've been with the game development deal for almost 20 years. So I'm very happy with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And finally, John, I noticed recently that the game is appearing on a special set of Royal Mail stamps uh-huh. that they're commissioning. How proud are you that the game that you designed is going to be on stamps?
1: It's it's amazing. It's pretty unbelievable. I, I was looking at it. and When I first got the information, a friend of mine just messaged me and said, have you seen this? And uh, <laughs> I, I was staring at this stamp with my art on it, thinking I made that in the office when we were doing Megalomania when I was killing time. <laughs> and it's a stamp. And actually, it's interesting to me because it's the graphics and I was the artist in those days. It's my own art on a stamp. You know, it's a weird thing to see. And it's kind of like a validation of everything we've done to push the game into such a mainstream place to push the industry, all of us in the industry, you know, I mean, in all of these lists, when you have uh, the top 10 games or the top 20 games, or in this case, the top games to put on a stamp, there's, there's, there's people and artists and games that are left out. And I've been in that situation myself a number of times. And I see this very much as a, a tribute to all of us, but by that, I mean, all of us British developers. So, you know, other companies that are not on there like the bitmap brothers and these kind of guys you know we're there for them as much as we are there for ourselves and this is very much a group thing so yeah on a personal level it's fantastic uh it's great even my you know my dad buys these stamps he 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 can see that and be proud of that and anybody in, in my family that's nothing to do with games or friends or whatever can kind of see that so yeah of course that's very nice it's uh it's weird you know (laughs) <laughs> 28 years ago I drew some pixels on the screen and I was hanging around at 3 in the morning in the office waiting to go home and they end up on a stamp it's uh, it's crazy
0: yeah it certainly is well it's been absolutely fantastic to hear the, the story of Sensible Soccer John and we, we wish you all the best with the uh, uh, sociable Soccer uh, going forward
1: thanks very much Well, that
0: was episode 28 of the Talking Football Podcast with John Hare. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much again for listening. Remember, if you've missed any, you can catch them all on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and by visiting DerekClarkSport.co.uk. We're also on Twitter at Talking underscore Football and Facebook as well. I hope you can join me again next week for another top interview. But until then, bye for now.